Welcome to the Managing Leadership Anxiety Podcast. Hey, before we get started with my guest today, just a quick reminder, if you're listening to this in real time, September 15th of, of 2022 is a big deal for two reasons. Number one, that's the day that the membership price for Capable Life increases. So if you've been thinking about joining Capable Life or if you've been listening to this show and not experiencing the depth of transformation you're hoping for, this would be the week to join Capable Life because the price is going up to $36 a month or $360 a year. Before September 15th, it's $28 a month or $280 a year. And we lock you in. Once you sign up, you never get a price increase from us. Another thing about Capable Life, unlike other memberships, once you've been a member for a year, you keep access to all the modules you've completed. So if you go through a bunch of our modules and then cancel your membership, you still get to use these modules as a reference library for the rest of the life of the membership. So CapableLife.me for those of you who want to sneak in before we increase the price. Secondly, also on September 15th, we're hosting a communication masterclass. You know, the way we communicate is one of the biggest sources of anxiety for us. So if you want to sign up for that free masterclass, uh, stevecusswords.com will get you there. Rightio, on to today's guest. I am absolutely delighted to welcome one of my favorite humans in the world, Kaylee Cuss, my daughter. Kaylee, welcome to the show. Hello. And as we both know, as we were chatting about before, really the primary reason you're on this show is so we can talk about magnificent Swedish station wagons. Absolutely not. <laughs> we, uh, You drive now. You're a driver. I am. Yeah, and you've gotten to drive my Saab turbo wagon which isn't being made anymore it's very unusual cars limited it's magnificent what do you think about the Saab would not suggest <laughs> it's a fine car it's a great car thank you you just talk about it too much I do love my Saab as do you you were on record telling your brother early on that this was your favorite car that you drove and in the I changed my mind since then yeah yeah Actually, Kaylee's not here to talk about my Saab, which does break my heart because the Swedish wagon, let's just say, Kaylee, that you and I are members of the wagon mafia. You are a member of the wagon mafia. Proudly so. Uh, do love my car. But actually, Kaylee, the reason I've invited you on the show is because sometimes it's fun to talk about anxiety and systems theory on the screen on TV shows and movies. And you are an expert in one particular show. What would that be? Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls. Lots of anxiety on Gilmore Girls. What's interesting is you love that show. I'm not as big a fan of that show. Um, let's start with this. How many times do you think you've watched that show all the way through? I should be on my eighth time through. Now I'm on season five. Okay, yeah. Super fun. Cr cranking through your eighth time. Um, what do you love about that show? Just give us, for those of us who may not know Gilmore Girls as well, what, what do you love about it? It's super witty and spunky. And even though it has anxiety and drama, it doesn't have my drama. So it's completely separate. I don't know. You, can you just get sit to down. watch drama and relational anxiety on the screen instead of in your life. Yeah. 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 What's interesting is that's the very reason I struggle with the show is because all of the things I teach in anxiety management, it's like they break all of those rules. They do all of the things you're not supposed to do. And so they're always constant in anxiety. So I practice watching. Sometimes I watch with you. I think my record is two and a half episodes before I had to quit. I think you almost made it to three, but you probably fell asleep. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anxious. Or, or sometimes <laughs> leave the room. Yeah. All right. So you've gotten to travel with me. You've seen some of the workshops and stuff. I have. What might be one thing that you remember um, about what I teach and what people discuss? Um, definitely like triangulation in their life. And double binds, those are the two things that I most remember. Yeah. Yeah. So Kaylee uh, got to go on actually a world tour with me. And it was really neat because you were 14 at the time. Yeah. And uh, sitting with adults talking about their anxiety in this group. What was that like for you? It was really fun because even though I was 14 and they were closer to 30s or 40s, they were, we like all had the same issues even at different ages, which was cool to see. Right. And one of our favorite moments there was, well, I guess we have a couple of favorite moments. Quick shout out to Neil and Janet Young in Northern Ireland. Yeah. What do you remember about them? They were delightful. They were just super kind people. That's what I remember. Yeah. <laughs> and then also another to. shout out to our friend Howard. We took a great train ride with Howard uh, to working. What do you remember about Howard and the working crew? He had a very like gentle presence. Right. He was just easy to be around. Right. Super calm kind of guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
All right, so what Kaylee and I thought we would do is to help our listeners here by dissecting Gilmore Girls through the lens of systems theory. So we're not going to do a deep dive, but we're going to take maybe three or four principles. Kaylee, let's start with triangulation. What if I define it? And then what if I throw to you to give us an example from the show? Sounds good. You know what, though? I'm getting ahead of myself, Kays. Why don't we just quickly give a general overview of the main characters? So maybe let's start by telling us who Lorelai is. Lorelai Gilmore is the mother in the show. She is the main character. She's very witty, kind of rebellious spirit. Drives you crazy. She, I love her. I think she's great. Um, and she kind of is on top of everything. She's much of a perfectionist, I would say. Great. And then she has a daughter, Rory. She does. Rory is like her, but even more of a perfectionist and more follow along with the rules. She doesn't have that rebellious side. Right. So Rory is how old when the show starts? Roy would be 16. Yeah, at the start of the show. And Lorelai would be how old when the show starts? 32. Right, so this is a key co- plot point. Yeah, Lorelai had Rory at 16, which kind of makes their relationship so close. And so, so right, so mum and daughter are really close mm-hmm. because in some ways they kind of grew up together, sort they of. They did. But then that also explains Lorelai's difficult relationship with her mum and dad. What are their names? Emily and Richard Gilmore. Okay, and they're very wealthy. <laughs> They're, yes, they're very wealthy and very stickler for very proper rules. So, like, if you wear jeans to dinner, huge insult for them. Like, right. that is just totally not okay. Great. And where's the show set in the country? Connecticut. Yeah, right, which is possibly one of the reasons why you're interested in studying there in, in it college. Is. <laughs> yeah, you like the, the Northeast. I do. <laughs> okay, so we have uh, Lorelai and Rory. And, in fact, not two-pointed, they're both Lorelai. They are. Lorelai named Rory after herself. (laughs) Yes. An ego move? She said that in birth, her feminism side took over, and she decided, well, if my dad was named after his dad, Rory should be named after me. I'm really glad I asked. I didn't know that. That's (laughs) a great reason. Okay, so we have Lorelai and Rory, and, and then we have Emily and Richard, their parents. We have a slew of Rory's friends and love interests. We may or may not get to them. Mm-hmm. Lorelai's best friend would mm-hmm. be... Suki St. James. Okay. She is very klutzy. She doesn't really have things all together in her mind. So she's very forgetful, but she's a very fun spirit. Delightful. One of my favorite characters, yeah. actually. And also a great cook. Yeah, she's an amazing chef. And then, of course, I think the the... Other big missing piece of the show would be Luke. Tell us about Luke. Luke Danes is the owner of a diner in Stars Hollow where Lorelai and Rory live. And Luke becomes a love interest of Lorelai's. And he's kind of the guy that has always been there for Lorelai throughout the entire show. Right. He's kind of a steady... He's very steady. He's very calm, but he can get angered easily. Right, he does go on his rants once he in does, a while. He does, he does. Yeah, but he's also a very loyal guy. Yeah, he does. When he knows what he wants, he'll stick to it for a very long time. Yeah, so after a while, he becomes Lorelai's love interest. Yes. What's your theory? Did he Was he in love with her all along? Yes, he was. You can kind of tell at the beginning of the show, the first episode, in the first five seconds, takes place at Luke's diner. And the way he looks at her, just... Every, everyone should know that you it's going to happen. Kind of the way I look at mom. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's break down some principles of systems theory because you love the show because there's all this drama and anxiety on the screen and you get all wrapped up in it. I can't stand the show because there's all this drama and anxiety. And I'm like, if these people would just take a managing leadership anxiety seminar, their life would be so much better. <laughs> so we have opposite views here. But because I love you, I watch the show with you and to practice my own anxiety management. All right, here's one of the principles. Let's talk about triangulation. I'll define it, Kaylee, and then maybe you could give us an example. All right, listeners, a triangulated relationship is a relationship with three or more people that should only have two people in it. Gossip is always triangulation. And then I also put in the definition, beware people who want you to keep a secret against another person. Sometimes just by listening to them, they may triangulate you against your friend. Where do you see triangulated relationships in Gilmore Girls? I would say the most common would be between Rory, Lorelai, and Emily. Okay. So to start off, Lorelai and Emily, her and her mom, do not get along at all. Half the relationship, Lorelai's more of a disappointment in their eyes because she got pregnant at 16. So Rory 
gets along with her grandparents and is constantly fixing the broken bridges between Lorelai and Emily. Very good. And then there's also triangles. Does Rory ever get into any triangulated relationships? Does she and her friends ever talk about another friend or anything like that? No. Right. Rory's actually, some would say, a differentiated character. Yeah. What's your take on that? Rory tends to stay out of, I don't know how to explain it. She kind of stays out of a lot of the drama. She's not like a casual high school girl. She's a very person who wants to be unique from the world and doesn't want to be mixed up in all that. Yeah, she's not really prone to gossip. No. The other impressive thing about Rory, I think, is the way that she can listen to her mum complain about her grandmother and her grandmother about her mum, but stay connected to both of them. Yeah, it is quite impressive. She tends to fix the issues between them a lot, and it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you're a high school young lady. Where do you see triangulation play out in high school relationships? Um, all the time, even like in all different types of friend groups, there's going to be one person talking about someone that they look like they're best friends with, but they're really not. They really just don't like them, and that happens all the time. 24-7. Right. And then in middle school, this happens, and I, I, I wonder if it still happens in high school. If a guy likes a girl, he doesn't typically go straight to that girl. He typically goes to his friends who then make it known to her friends. Like, it's very indirect. That was middle school, especially for the more shy ones out there. <laughs> um, I haven't really noticed that in high school so far. Yeah. Okay. All right, folks. So triangulation, you can take a look out for it. Because basically what it does is it generates unnecessary anxiety when you're talking about someone rather than talking to them. Uh, or the other way you can see it is when you're trying to get someone to agree with you against another person when that other person isn't in the room. And if you want to watch Gilmore Girls, man, it doesn't take long at all to see triangulation all through that show. One of the reasons that drives me crazy. In the first few episodes. <laughs> crazy. One of the reasons you love it. All right. Let's talk about a values violation, Kaylee. To me, this is the heart of Lorelai and Emily's relationship. Mm -hmm. So let me read the definition. You often know your unspoken values by your overreaction when someone violates one. The goal is not to lower your values. It's to name your values and move through the violation to stay connected with the person. So earlier, you were sharing about wearing jeans at dinner. Mm -hmm. Tell us about whose value that is and what happens if someone violates it. So Lorelai could care less what she wears to dinner, and Emily could not care more. <laughs> so if Lorelai would show up to dinner in jeans, Emily would yell at her asking why she looks like she just came off the streets. Right. That's kind of the deal. Can you think of a value that Lorelai holds that Emily violates? I was actually thinking of Lorelai and Luke. Lorelai doesn't care whether her man is wealthy or anything. If she gets along with him, they're meant to be. Emily needs Lorelai's partner to be wealthy. She needs them to be going into business, going to college, something. And Luke doesn't have any of that. And he, it's part of the reason. He runs a local diner. Yeah, he took it from his dad. He didn't go to college. He's not the most wealthy person there is out there. And so when it comes to Luke and Emily meeting, she despises him. Right, because he doesn't value having lots of money and she does. Yep. What do you think is underneath Emily's drive to have a lot of money? And you know, I'm not sure. I think I think in her mind, money means your money is definitely for her better than like above other people. That she, seems to be her social hierarchy. She often has employees that work in the house. She does. And she seems to treat them like they're not human beings at all. Yeah, she has maids. And if there was one episode where the maid put walnuts in a salad where there shouldn't be walnuts in a salad and Emily fired her just for that simple mistake. Yeah, right. She's a tough, tough cookie. Tough lady. All right, so we're talking about Emily, Lorelai, and Luke. Just a reminder to our listeners who are not familiar with Gilmore Girls, can you believe that there might be people? Of course, this is a global Crazy. podcast, Kaylee. So we're Crazy. in like 20 countries. Yeah. So for those of you trying to keep up, Lorelai's the main character. She's in her 30s. Emily's her mum, who's wealthy and snobbish and stuck up. Luke runs the local kind of breakfast diner, the coffee shop, um, and just this easygoing guy. All right, so later in the show, Lorelai starts to be sweet on Luke. She brings him over to meet her parents at their very rich house, 
And that brings us to a source of anxiety called a mixed message. So let me read the definition and then tell us some of the examples of mixed messages, case. All right, here's a mixed message, everyone. Two opposite messages at the same time, typically sarcasm or passive aggressive, excuse me, or passive aggression is a mixed message. It generates anxiety because you do not know which message to receive and which to reject. Give us an example when Luke met Emily and Richard. So Luke, Lorelai, and Emily were all going outside, and Luke owns this very old green truck. And Emily looks at it and goes, that's a really rustic truck. And rustic in Emily's language is you look like you don't have any money, like you look horrible. And Luke was like, thanks. And then in the car, Luke was like, how is it that she's giving a compliment, but at the same time, I feel completely insulted. Right. So he could feel the next message. He could. And then I think there was a time when he went playing golf with Richard. He did. And Richard kept calling his diner vintage. And vintage was not a very like, oh, it's so unique. It was more of a wow, you really need to get some more money. Your diner's that old. Like, it was a very harsh... It was a, sl- it was it was a, a slam, slam on his diner. Smile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that confuses Luke. Luke doesn't quite know what to do. Yeah. I think there was a third example about golf clubs. Yeah, so Luke came golfing with Richard, and he asked if he wanted to rent a club because how could Luke possibly own one? He just presumed uh-huh. that Luke would never have the money to own a set of golf clubs. Crazy. Right. So it's a great example on the show because what happens is Emily and Richard are generating the anxiety with their rude behavior, but Luke is carrying the anxiety. And afterwards, he's saying to Lorelai, I don't know what to do about this. Right. Right. So let's talk about mixed messages for a bit, Kay. It's like you're in high school. I'm in the adult world driving my Saab around. Um, can you think off the top of your head where you've experienced a mixed message in high school? Um, This happens with about every single girl or guy that I know in high school and they don't look okay. And I'll be like, hey, are you okay? And in a very like aggressive tone, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yes, that that is the exact. This has happened to me with so many people in school, out of school, anything. Um, And so they're trying to say, no, I'm not fine at all. But keep asking. But at the same time, don't talk to me. It's very confusing. Right. It's a come here, go away at the same time message. Yeah. I deal with this in ministry all the time. Yeah. People say, I want you to help me. Back off. Exactly. It's very confusing. Okay. So let's say you walk away from that encounter. What? How? You're carrying the anxiety now. They're generating the anxiety. You're carrying it. What? What does that feel like for you? I tend to be quite a people pleaser. So I tend to try and text them like, hey, I love you. Like, I hope you're doing okay. But even if that doesn't work, and like two years ago, I probably would have kept bothering the person until they told me why they weren't okay and I could fix the problem. And now I just let it be and let them cool off. And if they want to talk about it, they can. Interesting. Is that because two years ago, so I'm putting words in your brain, so correct me if I'm wrong. Is that because two years ago, it was true that you struggled to be okay if they weren't okay? Exactly. Yeah. So then you had to like, Anxiously make them okay so you could be calm. <laughs> yeah. And I then would. how's it different now then? Um, I just decided everyone's going to be mad at something. I'm mad at things all the time. And I don't want people to deal with my anger. So I just stopped dealing with other people's anger. <laughs> Interesting. I'm trying to think of when I've sent mixed messages like that. Because I think I have. I think there's been times where someone asks how I'm doing and I say I'm fine. When I'm not fine... And what I'm really saying is I don't want to talk about it. Exactly. Have you done that too? Yeah, I've really worked on it. I I now will, it depends on the person and who I'm comfortable with, but I now will either say, you know what, I'm not doing great right now, but that's okay. Like, don't worry about it. Keep going. Um, or I'll just say I'm fine. And if I start to realize that I'm still acting the way I was, then I just kind of fake it till I make it. I don't want people to have to deal with the fact that oh she's not fine I should be doing something about it okay I like that all right so let's let's stay on this because this is actually a really big topic the idea of a mixed message the general rule everyone is and, and this is not easy to do but but I think Kaylee has actually just modeled it for us really well you're trying to notice in the moment when someone's putting a mixed message on you 
and you're trying to choose to ignore one and accept the other. And the general rule is you try to choose the message you want to hear, <laughs> and it's hard to do. So I'll give you an example from my life, Kaylee. I remember years ago, really smart guy in our church, like intellectually wicked smart, came up to me and he said the following sentence. I'm going to say it to you and then I want to ask you, what do you think it, he was saying? He said, Steve, your sermons are so good, even a four-year-old can understand them. Now, what's he saying to me, do you think? It's very confusing because he's got your sermons good. You're right. like, oh, Thank thanks, four-year-old. Oh, very low IQ. I'm obviously stupid. Yeah. Yeah. So I would take the thank you because um, in my mind, that means it's easy to understand. That's what I did. Yeah, because I feel like if I'm speaking to an audience from across all ages and a four-year-old can understand it, I'm like, wow, I really did a good job at explaining this. That's I love. I, I wasn't sure how you're going to answer, but that's what I did as I would receive the compliment. Because the rule in anxiety management, what you're trying to do is if someone's generating anxiety and it's inappropriate, like they're being a jerk. This is different than when someone's generating anxiety and they need help. Mm -hmm. But when they're being a jerk, when they're misbehaving and being rude, the general rule is you're trying to put the anxiety back on them rather than carry it yourself. So that's what I did. I looked at him and I very straight face said, wow, thank you so much. I really take pride in making sure my sermons are accessible. And then he walked away confused. He's, and I think, I don't know what he was thinking, but I think he was thinking, this guy must be dumber than I first thought. He doesn't even realize <laughs> I was making fun of him. Yeah. But then I walked away like at peace. Do you have an example in your life? And if you don't, it's okay. But do you, where you've either put a mixed message on someone or maybe you've tried to accept one and ignore the other. I think, oh, I don't remember. So if... I'm sure no one knows this, but I, I tend to cry when I laugh. Right. And it it's a very, like, obvious thing. Like, I look like I'm really sad throughout the day just because I've been laughing so hard and crying. So I've had people be like, oh, that's so unique that you cry when you laugh. And I'm like, thanks. Like, I think so, too. I'm, like, different than everyone else. No one else does that. Nice. Yeah. And then they, they're like, wait, well, what? It yeah, wasn't like, exactly a compliment. <laughs> wait, I'm confused. And then I go on to tell a funny story about it and... It's fine. Nice. And then once in a while with a mixed message, um, you do the opposite. You actually intentionally uh, respond to the dig. And that's a harder thing to do, but then sometimes it helps. Like I think that would have been interesting for Luke to, to feel the dig from Emily about his, what was the word she used? Rustic truck. So what's interesting about this is Emily actually used the term rustic twice during the dinner. At the beginning, they were having drinks, and she said rustic. Luke took it as, why, thank you. Like, oh, my gosh, your mother's being so nice. Right. And then at the end, he was like, wait a minute. Like, right. she's not being nice. Right. Interesting. And what he could have done is he could have put the anxiety back on Emily and said, well, I'll tell you what, I don't believe in wasting money. And He definitely should have done that. That would have been hilarious. Right. And because one of his core values is being thrifty, right? And one of her core values is having opulence. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right, let me see. We've got, for those of you listening, Kaylee and I have a little sheet here of some different uh, generators of anxiety. I'm trying to think, oh, yes, Kaylee, the double bind. All right, Gilmore Girls has the classic love triangle. Lorelai loves Luke and Lorelai loves Chris. So before I define a double bind, Kaylee, who's Chris? Because we haven't talked about him. So Christopher is Rory's dad essentially. Um, he and Lorelai were together when Lorelai was a teenager. They decided not to get married. They went their separate ways. And now he's just always a part of her life on and off as a love interest, on and off as a father, on and off as we're mad at him. And he kind of shows up later in the show or is he early? So Christopher's known for not showing up in Rory's life like he should as a dad. So when he visits, it's a very big deal. Everyone makes a huge deal about it. So he doesn't really show up until late season one and you're like who is this guy yeah it's rory's absent father essentially <laughs> right but somewhere along the way lorelei catches feelings again for him this has happened three times in the show where lorelei has caught feelings for him and it does not go as planned every single time right so she has this steady loyal guy luke she has the father of her child who she also loves chris christopher not chris they work Either both way. work all right 
and now she's in a double bind. So, folks, here's a double bind. On the surface, it's a lose-lose situation, but on a deeper level, a pure double bind is two conflicting messages whereby succeeding at one means you fail at another. Uh, For some people, if you struggle to make a decision, even about a simple matter, and then later you regret the decision you made, you may be prone to double binds. So in this case, uh, the simple way to understand it, I guess, Kaylee, would be by choosing one path, you have canceled the option of the other path. So if Lorelai chooses Chris, she's canceled Luke and vice versa. But why is she in a double bind? Uh, What's going on where she can't just choose? So Lorelai and Luke at this time are in a huge fight. I don't remember what the fight was about, but they're in a tough spot as a relationship. And Chris enters the picture and Lorelai sleeps with him. And she wakes up the next morning realizing that she can't be with Luke anymore because she has just slept with Chris. But she then pushes Chris away and now she can't be with Chris either. So she is lost because she the both the two men that she loves the most, she can't have either of them because she hurt Luke. She hurt Chris. She goes on and off between these two several times in the show. Good. And then Lorelai being Lorelai, one of the ways that you know she's anxious is she uses more words. She talks very, very, very fast, and she's very high-strung when she's anxious. So if you're not doing something right, she'll snap at you right away. Okay. So I tend to get a little worn out by people who have that much energy and talk that fast. That might be, I'm just thinking of this right now. We've never talked about this. That might be one of the reasons I struggle with the show. But do you? how are you with people who talk that fast? No, I struggle with them too. Um, just to keep up a conversation, that's hard. <laughs> yeah. But on the show, it's fine for you. No, it's fine because I'm not the one talking. Yeah, because you're not in the system. Whereas in real life, you're in that system, so you get infected by it. Yeah, I, that would be hard. Okay. Well, this is great. I think we've covered plenty of dynamics. Um, and, and listeners, this is something we'll be doing on the show once in a while. Is we're actually going to take a TV show or a movie and dissect it through the lens of systems theory because it's fascinating. Sometimes the easiest way to practice is seeing it on the screen before you try it in your own life. So, Kaylee, if you're up for a couple more questions on your own life, what are one or two tools that you use to either manage your anxiety or a friend's anxiety? So it's really hard. Um, My own anxiety, that has been a huge struggle for me just because... I'm anxious. What am I supposed to do? I tend to take deep breaths. I tend to actually, this is probably not the healthiest thing I could do, but I actually, I text other people asking how they're doing mm, when I'm struggling. You reach out to help others. I do. <laughs> and I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but I'll like ask one of my closest friends, Hey, how's your day going? Good. How's yours? And I'll be like, Oh, it's going great. And okay. that, that helps me calm down and I'm not sure why, okay. but And then if my friend is anxious, um, I guess I just do the best that I can to help them. And then if that's enough, that's enough. Like sometimes I just tell myself, well, that's all I could do. So just it's up to them now. I don't know. I find it remarkable, Kay. Like I remember in the fourth grade, your class all had different vocations. And it was like a test for adulthood. And you were given the vocation as the counselor. Do you remember this? I was the class counselor. In fourth grade. And we, mom and I kind of thought that this was um, like cute. Like, oh, how cute. Because one of the kids was like a banker, right? Yeah. But we realized pretty early on that both you and the class took this role pretty seriously. Oh, yeah. It was, it was quite the serious role, actually. It started with... Um, you know, someone would sit in the chair and that was my job to step in. And it was like, oh, she took my pencil. And I was like, okay, give her her pencil. Like (laughs) it was super easy. And then it turned into real life problems. Like my parents are getting divorced and I had to step in and be the person there. Right. So you come home from school at fourth grade and we'd be like, how was your day? And you would start telling us about, well, I was in the back of the classroom with this kid and they've got this deep emotional problem. And your mom and I are like, oh, my goodness, do we need to talk to the teacher? Like, this is a lot to put on a fourth grader. But I do wonder if, like, God has forged in you through your personality and your experiences a a pretty powerful gift of of helping others with anxiety. 
Yeah, it's interesting. It's like helping others is how I help myself, <laughs> which doesn't make the most sense. But yeah. I remember in, when we got to go to Northern Ireland together, I remember Janet being like, man, this, your kids, because Bryson, your older brother, was there too. She's <laughs> like, these kids are amazing. And I was like, they really are amazing. And because she sat at your table at the workshop. Yeah, yeah. that was fun. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Okay. Yeah. Final question, Kaylee. I ask this of every guest you can pass or play. If, if perfect love displaces anxiety... What might be a time in your life or uh, where you experience love? What would be an example of experiencing love? Like Brody comes immediately to mind for me. <laughs> um, I actually thought of mom, <laughs> which okay. is cool. Tell us about mom, mom. and one of my good friends. Um, I remember one time I was in my closet. Um, I was really struggling that day. And mom just came in and sat with me. I don't, I don't like it when people want me to talk about my issues on the spot. I'm a very, I'm an internal processor. And a deep feeler. Yes. So I need time to process what I'm going through before I can speak it. And mom just sat with me and we just sat there and I had my music on. And then after about 10, 20 minutes, we got up and we just started dancing. And my LED lights were on and we were just dancing this blue light surrounding us. And I just remember feeling really loved. Because she didn't want me to say anything. She didn't want to know what happened. She just wanted to be with me. And that was really helpful. You do have an amazing mom. Yeah. yeah we both agree on that. Kaylee, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was so fun. I Anytime. I we'll have you as a recurring guest. Sounds good. All right, folks. So that's Gilmore Girls and Systems Theory. Hope you enjoyed. And uh, next week we'll be back with uh, another special guest. 